There are a ton of financial resources out there about how to take control of your money. I remember back when I was going through my own personal journey of becoming debt-free between the years of 2008 all the way to 2011, I read so many different books about how to take control of your money, how to spend your money, how to budget, all those kinds of things. But there's just no resources out there about why you handle money the way you do. And my guest today is trying to tackle that very issue. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I am your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact not only with their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Rachel Cruz. She is a two-time number one best-selling author, financial expert, and host of The Rachel Cruz Show. Since 2010, Rachel has served at Ramsey Solutions, where she teaches people to avoid debt, save money, budget, and how to win with money at any stage in life. She's authored three best-selling books, including Love Your Life, Not Theirs, and Smart Money, Smart Kids, which she co-wrote with her father, Dave Ramsey. Her latest book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, Discover Why You Handle Money the Way You Do and What to Do About It, released this month. This was such an enjoyable, incredible, fun conversation. I have been a big fan of Rachel's work for a really long time, and I was really excited to have her on the show. And I know you are going to absolutely love this conversation. But before I get to my conversation with Rachel, I want to thank a couple of our partners of the show. And the first is Simple Switch. Actually, Rachel Coyce, the founder of Simple Switch, was on the show back in the spring, so you may remember her. And I wanted her to actually tell you a little bit about what makes Simple Switch so incredibly awesome. Thanks, Molly. Thanks for letting me hop in on this episode really quick. We're an online marketplace for positive impact purchasing. So kind of a similar model to Amazon where you can shop online for things that you actually need. So like toilet paper, all the way up to nice gifts like jewelry or electronics. But every single product has some sort of environmental or social impact. So I'm really passionate about the the change that we can make just with our everyday shopping, as I know you are from all your amazing episodes on this show. And we'd love to offer a discount to your listeners because I know you guys are the exact right people for our marketplace. So if you go on simpleswitch.org and use the coupon code purchase with purpose, you'll get 20% off your first order. And that can be a cart that includes all your day-to-day needs, gifts, things you need for next year. We can't wait to see you there. Thank you so much, Rachel. Now, did you know I have an ethical brand directory? That's what Chelsea used to start finding products for her boutique almost four years ago. Now, Amazuma carries over 50 intentionally sourced brands and is the perfect one-stop shop for all of your gift-giving needs. As a thank you to the Still Being Molly and Business with Purpose community, she is offering 20% off with the code SHOPWITHMOLLY. So head to shopwithmolly.com for all the details. Now on to my conversation with Rachel. 
Rachel, I am so honored to have you on the show. Welcome. How are you today? Thank you. Thanks, Holly, for having me. I'm doing great. Doing great. Just oh, what a year it's been, right? What a what a year. What a year. By the time this airs, we'll be in 2021. And I have so many prayers that it's just going to like, we're going to wake up in 2021 and it is all going to just... It's a nightmare. It's It'll be over. <laughs> we're going to be like, oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's a new year. Well, I have just I've followed your work for a long time. And so I'm just really excited to kind of hear a little bit more about kind of how you, you know, kind of got to where you are today. So I would love for you to give us the Rachel Cruz 101. So tell us who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are. Awesome. Well, I am a financial, I I always feels weird saying a financial expert about yourself. (laughs) I don't know how much of an expert I am, but that's kind of the job title. Uh, Also author and speaker, everything around talking about money and personal finance. And I grew up as Dave Ramsey's daughter. So that kind of gives a unique perspective a little bit on (laughs) how money works. And I started speaking with him when I was 15 and grew this love for public speaking like really early on in life and realizing that that's a gift and because most people are so scared of it yeah. and hate public speaking. So yeah. um, I realized, okay, that's kind of different. So then I went to college at the University of Tennessee and during my time there, realizing how important this message is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was meeting 19, 20-year-olds with student loan debt, credit card debt, like that just began their life financially. And I remember thinking at, you know, 18 years old, like, okay, I know I don't have all the answers, but I know a better way that they can do this. And I remember having that feeling so many times. So when I graduated from college, I decided this is what I wanted to do with my life. So it's been over a decade and uh, I've gotten to write books, host podcasts and YouTube show and speak and all of it to really help people gain control of their money. And um, I've been married to Winston uh, 11 years when this podcast airs. And we have three little kids. Amelia is five, Caroline's three, and Charles is a year old. And they're so fun and crazy. So it's just the the, the crazy mom life <laughs> that I live right now. Um, but it's so great. It's it's such a it's such a wonderful part of my life. Yeah. Well, my kids are seven and uh, four. Oh my gosh. I was like, how old are my my kids? So I fully understand that, and just the craziness of being a working parent and all of the things that go along with that. Um, Now, I'm curious because, you know, I have a lot of friends who grew up as PKs, pastor's kids. Now, you were not a PK, but you were a, we're going to call it a DRK, a Dave Ramsey kid. So it's like the financial version of a, a PK. Um, so I'm just curious, you know, like, did the financial aspect of, of talking very openly about money, and, and we're going to kind of get to the these money classrooms and the things that you talk about in your new book in a second. But I'm just curious, you know, kind of growing up the financial version of a PK, <laughs> um, how, how did that sort of evolve for you? You know, were your parents really intentional from a very early age about talking about money with you? When did you kind of stop? I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm maybe assuming that, you know, being like, oh, dad, okay. You know, we always talk about money, you know. When did it become something that you felt empowered to take on and talk about? Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny. People just assume that we had like mutual fund birthday parties <laughs> and like budget camps in the summer, right? Like it was all money based in the household. And <laughs> thankfully that was not the circumstance. You know, mom and dad, they were, they were great at teaching us about money and being intentional, but I was born the year they filed for bankruptcy. So mm. I, they, I was born in April, they filed in September. So my earliest memories, you know, they were five, six years out of that bankruptcy. 
And at that point, they were still kind of in survival mode. I mean, an element of like just trying to get out of that hole and all that. So there was parts that they were just trying to survive themselves and they didn't even think about us kids. But I think as the example they set was huge. And then as, as time went on, I think they realized, wow, we need to start showing them tactically how money works but also spiritually, like what yeah. it means to be a manager, being a steward, yeah. um, what it means emotionally that money cannot be your idol. It's not your end all be all. I mean, there's like so many elements of money. So I feel like we had a lot of those kind of conversations, but it was never obsessive. It was never like every night at dinner, we had to like talk about money or something. <laughs> um, and so because of that, I'm really thankful because I'm like, I, they were not legalistic about it either. Yeah, Like they made us make mistakes. They made us or let us like do things with money that were probably so stupid as kids, but they're like, listen, you're going to learn and yeah. do it. I want you, you need to learn it. And so there wasn't a lot of legalism in it, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, and so I think for me, because of all of that, it was just also normal. So I did kind of grow up in this financial bubble and college really was the moment that I, toward the end, especially where I was like, man, I can like, I can do stuff like in yeah. this subject, like there's no one out there young speaking about money. Yep. Like I could fill the space because I, I loved it, love yeah. it so much. So it really has been, um, been a fun journey. And it was, and it's one of those things that it wasn't just assumed that I would do this. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I have a sister and a brother. Um, my sister's not involved at Ramsey Solutions. My brother is, but both of us, it was this conversation of like, you have to be called to this because if you're yeah. miserable doing this work, like you're going to make everyone miserable and right. it's going to, it's just not a good, it's not a good dynamic for anyone. Plus it's a family business. So oh, I was like, oh yeah, for sure. Um, so it, it was one of those things, like it would be easier not to work here. Dad yeah. told me that at one point. <laughs> um, so yeah, he tried to scare me off a of thing and then finally realized, okay, no, she's being serious. She really wants to yeah, do she this. She really so. loves it. She really uh, loves so it's it. It's been good. Now I actually want to divert away from the, the financial talk for a second. This is a question I was going to ask towards the end, but it kind of went what you said led me to this. So, you know, your dad, he's on the radio three hours a day. Like we, we know him by this point. Like we, we know the Ramsey kind of family persona and, and everything around that. But I'm really curious, like what are maybe some things that you learned growing up in the Ramsey family that are not necessarily public things about the Ramsey family persona? Like what, what are some of the things that your parents really left an, uh, you know, a lasting impression on for you that you've kind of carried into your family and, and raising your children? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, money specifically, I think something that's, we talk about giving yeah. on like kind of a, a macro level within our messaging, but I think for that, I mean, they're outrageous givers. Like yeah. they've, they've been, they've given, had a lot to manage. God's given them a lot to manage and they've just done it so well. Yeah. And mostly in private, like most people don't know that side of it. And so we have a family foundation meeting once a year. So we just had this last week. That's probably why it's top of mind for me. Yeah. Um, but they just faithfully lived out when scripture says, you know, like you pray, pray in the inner room of your home, you give and don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing in secret. I mean, like there's just elements of that knowing the purity of your heart when mm. you're giving. Mm. There's a different mindset when you put your name on a building, you know, yeah. and you give to a university, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But they've just, I think they've acted out that secret, if you will, side of giving so beautifully wow. that I, I love so much. I do. So they've done that really, really, really well. I love that. I love hearing stories like that because that's something that my husband and I are really passionate about. And, you know, one of the the ways that I kind of came across your work, and my listeners know some part of this story, I've been very open about this on my blog and have talked about it ad nauseum in, in so many places is my testimony is directly related to to finances. 
Um, I mean, I I did not grow up a Christian. Um, I grew up in a really loving home, but I, you know, my parents were recovering Catholics, (laughs) like raised an Irish Catholic, like went to Catholic school, like, and they just, that's what they, that was their term, not mine. (laughs) And so they didn't, they didn't want to kind of push all of that on me. And um, my mom died when I was a senior in high school. And for a lot of people, when they go through grief and they're, and they're, they're grieving and they're coping, they typically turn to things like drugs and alcohol and sex and, and all those other kind of more seemingly destructive sins. Um, for me, it was spending money. Um, oh, wow. yeah. and, and that is one of those things people don't talk about is how spending money for some people can become this this crutch, this coping mechanism. And so for the next four or five years, I began to make very foolish financial decisions. And so there I was, summer of 2008. I was a year out of college. I was teaching high school, making $30,000 a year as a high school, first year high school teacher. And I was $36,000 in consumer credit card debt. It wasn't quote unquote good debt. It wasn't student loan debt. It was just I made a bunch of mistakes debt. And there was so much shame and, and all these sorts of things that were attached to it. And, you know, I spent the, spent the next three and a half years trying to dig myself out of that, that mess I had made. And I buried myself under. And um, long story short, I started attending church. I heard some sermons on on money and being a good steward of your finances. And this was like a whole mind-blowing concept to me. And um, it was the first time I'd ever heard the word tithing. And I had no idea what that was. And and the first thing really that the Lord led me to do was surrender my wallet. (laughs) Whereas like Mm. for a lot of people, it's like they surrender their heart and then their mind. And then they're like, the wallet's sort of last. And for me, it was like a complete flip. And once I did that, that set me on this trajectory of really undoing all of this stuff that I had done and all of these mistakes that I had made and, and beginning to shift how I look at money and how I treat money and all those things. And then I married a man who was, he's a financial advisor. So he's, uh, he's actually a Dave Ramsey smart vester. And I, you know, I met, he was, you know, he bought a house at 24 and had 20% down that he had saved. Like, I mean, he's just like the complete opposite of me in the financial realm. And so obviously now we've been married, you know, almost nine years. So we <laughs> we're more even now. Right, um, right, right. But yeah, so but along the way, like I, I discovered, uh, obviously, Dave Ramsey, and I started listening to him. And I, um, a few years later, discovered your work. And so it's, you know, this has been something that is very close and mm. personal to me. And, um, you know, when I finally became debt free in 2012, like, I still even after I became debt free had this this uh, I don't even know how I describe it, like but this like umbrella of shame mm. that hung over me. Yep. And I was afraid to talk about it. And I was afraid to tell people my story. And it was about like, I didn't I didn't call in and scream I'm debt free because I was still so ashamed. It wow. took me six and a half months after I became debt free before I shared it publicly. Wow. And so it's really interesting. I, I say all that to kind of lead up to 
I relate so much to the things that you talk about in your new book. And so your new book just just came out. It's called Know Yourself, Know Your Money. Discover why you handle money the way you do and what to do about it. And there's so much in this book that I was like, oh, yep, that's me. Oh, yep, that's me. Oh, yep, that's me. And just this idea of the way that we mentally, we each individually handle money and all those things. So that's it's amazing. Well, I'll stop you because that's an incredible <laughs> story. And I think, number one, thanks for sharing it over and over again, because Money is so emotional and yes. there is like such guilt, such shame that surrounds this topic mm-hmm. because out of all things in life, money has a, like a score, yes. There's like a visual score, yes. right? Like you can say, I'm an okay mom. I feel like I'm not doing a good job, but tangibly, if you don't get a grade for that, like, right. you know, I, I think I'm doing it. I think I'm a good wife. Well, we don't have a number for that. Your money, there's a literal number that shows you positive, negative, and the amounts that is yep. associated with that. Like yep. there, there's something so visceral about it. And what become what happens is your net worth starts to become your self-worth. Oh. And you start to mm, believe like preach. this is this is who I am. And it's like, oh, to break that cycle, to break that cycle is just so powerful. So the fact that you Number one, did the steps to change it and to to identify that coping. So I talk about some of that in the book. Money, yeah. money problems masquerade themselves as money problems, but usually it's much deeper things going sure. on underneath. Which is why I wanted to write this book. I'm like, so much more goes on with us than just if we can budget or not. Like there right. are things in there, and so the fact that you're able to like name that, see it, and heal from that. I think it's just, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, thank so you. I'm so glad to know that. Thank you. I appreciate you, sh- you saying that. That's encouraging to me, even after all these years, um, you know, and, it, and it's something that my husband and I, like, we are super open. You know, money is not something that we, we, con- we have conflict about because when we were dating, he was the first person that I had ever come clean to about all my financial stuff. Oh, wow. And when I remember when I shared everything, I was like, this guy is going to kick me to the curb. Like he is going to be like, oh, we'll see ya. Because I mean, again, he had his stuff together and I did not. And when I did come clean about everything and I said, hey, here's my stuff, instead of running away, he opened up his laptop, he opened up an Excel spreadsheet. And he's like, let's, we're going to figure this out. Like, we're going to figure this out oh. together. And I You're remember, like, okay, I'll marry you. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. Okay. I know. He's like, Ugh, like, Ugh, he's so great. Like, why is he so great? Um, but one of the things that like, I remember so vividly is that first time that we really sat down and we were working in that spreadsheet. And he's helping me kind of figure out because this was at the point that I was like, I want I want to tithe. Like, I feel like this is something that I'm being called to do. And I was a new Christian and I'm new to tithing. And even my husband, who's been a Christian his entire life, missed like five Sundays of church ever, you know, faithful tither. Even he was like, uh, I'm looking at the numbers here and uh, I don't really know how you're going to be able to do that. But at the end, he was like, all right, if you're going to commit to this, like, I'll buy your groceries. Because at the end of the month, like, I had no money for groceries if I was going to tithe. Yeah. So yeah. for like three months, he bought my groceries for me. <laughs> like, wow. Yes. I know. Yes. I know. He's really great. Um, yeah. <laughs> so in this new book, you are, again, you're kind of really tackling this, the, almost the psychology behind money, which I is fascinating to me. But one of the things that I really latched onto was this idea of these different money classrooms. And it, it it's sort of this idea of how you grew up learning about money. So can you kind of explain that, break that down for us? What do you mean by money classrooms? And what are the different money classrooms? 
Yes. Well, to understand why you handle money the way you do today, you have to go back to how you grew up in your yeah. childhood and really understanding, okay, this is this is where I came from. Because that lays a very strong foundation yep. for you and possibly why you do the things you do today. And whenever we talk about parents, my counselor, because I've been in much many counseling sessions, remember he said, you know, we're not here to bash your parents, but we're not here to defend your parents. We're here mm-hmm. to tell the truth. And so as you dive into the beginning part of this book, like tell the truth, because the more you can get to that truth, the more light you're going to see of this awareness of like, oh, wow, that's why. And so money is really communicated in two ways when it comes to growing up. It's communicated verbally and it's communicated emotionally. So verbally, it's either open or it's closed. Emotionally, it's either stressed or it's calm. Mm. And so you, you can kind of when I was doing it, I was like, oh gosh, this creates a quadrant. I was like, oh, a graph. Like, I love graphs. This is so great. <laughs> and so this beautiful quadrant came out of Jesus. And I was like, thank you, Lord. But these four money classrooms came. And I was like, yes, where you kind of fall into one of the four. So yeah. the first is the anxious classroom. And that's if you're verbal, you grew up in a verbally closed household when it came to money and emotionally stressed. So you felt tension, you felt this stirring of stress around, but you never could really pinpoint why because no one talked about it. Right. Uh, There's the unstable classroom, and this is where homes were verbally open, but emotionally stressed. So probably a lot of conflict, a lot of fighting, probably heard your parents fight the same fight over and over again about money. Right. Uh, They may have fought with their extended family members even or friends about money. So you just heard that conflict. And then there's the unaware money classroom. And this is where communication was verbally closed, but emotionally calm. Yeah. So this is kind of like your head was in the sand because you didn't even think about money because it just was never talked about. No emotion around nothing. Just it was what it was. And then there's the secure money classroom, which is the healthiest one out of the four. And this is a verbally open household, but emotionally calm. So I always kind of get people at the end to, to, to see what are things that you need to do to create your current family to be in that classroom number four. And you don't have to have a lot of money to be in that classroom. Some right. people think like, oh yeah, once you have a lot of money, you can be secure. And I'm like, no, no, no. You could have $10 in the bank, but be on a budget, know what you're doing, you know, be disciplined yeah. and in control. And so you're not stressed out, but yeah. you're also verbally open and being intentional talking to your kids. So one of the four, you can kind of figure out which one you were in and each one comes with weaknesses that you may have to overcome as an adult. Okay, I'm gonna take a quick break from my conversation with Rachel to thank a couple more partners of our show. Are you one of my loyal listeners of the podcast? And have you ever wanted to sport some business with Purpose swag? Well, now you can get my exclusive Do Something Good with Purpose on Purpose Tea through GoX. Now, from boutiques to corporate events to family reunions and podcast show teas, GoX can design and print a tea for any use or occasion. Their experienced graphic design team can work with your art or create a design from any inspiration. Whether you need 24 teas or 24,000 teas, GoX is here to provide you with retail quality, fair trade garments with the highest quality screen printed graphics. Love their social mission, but you have your own screen printer or even print yourself? No problem. You can purchase their blank, sustainable, eco-friendly tees at wholesale prices in bulk. Visit goexapparel.com, that's G-O-E-X apparel.com forward slash wholesale to get started. And to get your exclusive Business with Purpose podcast tea, go to goexapparel.com forward slash Molly Stillman and use the code podcast20 for 20% off. This episode is also in partnership with The Lemonade Boutique. 
a women's clothing with a cause store. Now, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know I love artisan groups and for-purpose companies like Elegantees, Starfish Project, and Rahab's Rope. And what I love about today's sponsor is that the Lemonade Boutique combines some of my favorite for-purpose companies, plus so much more in one easy-to-shop online store. Plus, spend $29 and get free shipping. That is the best way to shop. Shop at thelemonadeboutique.com where your purchase empowers women to take life's lemons and make lemonade. And listeners of the podcast can save 15% by using code PURPOSE15 at checkout. Now back to my conversation with Rachel Cruz. That was one of the things that was really eye-opening to me just in thinking about how I grew up and, you know, again, my parents, they were born in the 40s. They were each one of five and grew up in these Irish Catholic households where like, guess what? You did not talk about money. You didn't talk about hard things. You didn't talk like you didn't yep. talk about stuff. You didn't share your emotions. None of it. And my parents did a much better job of not bringing those things to me. But, you know, my mom got sick at a really young age. And so she was on disability for a long time because she couldn't work because of her illness. And so it, all those things just kind yeah. of overshadowed the a healthy conversation around money. And I don't yep. fault my parents at all for that. It just kind of it, it was what it was. And yes, I was say, there's some external circumstances yeah. that you can't control, right? right. Like that a sickness within a home is going to cause stress because that's what it is. It's stressful. Yeah. And yeah, no, no fault to anyone, but like that, that's it. So, you know, I think that's a great point. Yeah. So that was just really, really eye-opening to me. The other thing that you, you talk about it, a lot is, is this idea of giving ourselves the permission and the freedom to change our bad habits when it comes to money and being really open to saying, you know what, I have screwed up in this area, or this has been an area that I have just, uh, I've maybe missed the mark. How do you, in all the work that you've done, what do you find is the best way that someone can begin to change those bad habits around money? Yeah, I'd say there's an element of hope that they have to have that what they're changing for is greater than their current circumstance. Right. So when I talk about, you know, living debt free and getting out of debt, there requires a lot of sacrifice in that. Like when you get out of debt, we talk about you don't go out to eat, you don't go on vacation, like you do yep. nothing yep. but put money towards that debt. But if I told you to live like that just for the heck of it, you'd be insane to do that. I'm like, no one should live like that, right? <laughs> just for the heck of it. But you're doing it for the hope of being debt free is so much greater in the current circumstance you're in. Yeah. So in order to change, you have to have that hope. And I say that because change is hard. Yes. Like change is uncomfortable. It's not fun. Even if you know what you're doing is wrong, it still feels good to just keep doing it because it's what you know. Right. And I mean, and this is, we're like creatures of it. I mean, my three-year-old, our car seats in the car, we had to take out for something. When we put them back in, I flipped them on accident. And you would think my three-year-old, I was like torturing her to get in the other <laughs> side of the car with the car seat. She's like, this is not my car seat. I'm like, it is your car seat. I just put it in the other seat. I mean, it was like this battle. I'm like, cause she didn't want to change at three yep. years old. She wants to be in the same spot. Yes. She didn't like it. And so I'm like, man, we are such creatures of habit. And so in order to make the sacrifice of change and to, to dive into that scary new way of dealing with your money, you have to have the hope that it's better than what you're in. Oh, yes. I feel that on a deep, <laughs> deep soul level of, yeah, the, one time I remember I did the same thing. I changed the sides of the car with the car seat. And yeah, they freak out. Or, oh, heaven forbid you choose the wrong color snack bowl. Like oh, yeah. heaven forbid. 
Or if you pick out the regular goldfish instead of the super cheesy goldfish, you know, forget it. Forget it. Oh, it's done. But but to, to your point, I mean... When I always love to make this analogy of like when you are somebody who exercises or like you're working out, if you want to make physical changes to your body, guess what you have to do? You have to get uncomfortable. You have to do that extra rep. You have to lift that heavier weight. Like I'm thinking today, I, I this is very top of mind because I did arm day yesterday and I did a, a heavier weight than I normally do. And lifting my arms hurts real bad today. <laughs> but if I want to make positive changes in my health and wellness, like I have to push myself. If I'm doing the same workout every single day, I'm never going to see change. And so when we get to those places where we're uncomfortable and things start to feel awkward, that's where change happens. And and it, exactly. it's applicable in literally every area of life. Yeah, for sure. And, and the beautiful thing is you adapt, right? Like you're saying, mm-hmm. like you're lifting the heavier weight and then in, in a month that heavier weight is normal yep. Yep. and then you can, you can advance on. And so that's the same thing with money. Yep. I'm like, you know, you do a budget and it's uncomfortable. It's not fun to look at where you spent money last month in order yes. to create your first budget. Yes. You're like, no, I don't want to see how much I spent at the grocery or how much <laughs> I spent at Amazon. Like, no, no, yep. no, no. So it's not fun, but once you start to do it and it becomes a part of your life, you'll look up in a year and be like, I can't imagine not living without a budget, without yeah. that control. Like, I feel like I can't do anything. Like, I need the budget. Yeah. Like, so it's just amazing how we adapt, but it takes that that shock to the system yep. to change. For sure. For sure. Okay. Before we get to the get to know you round, um, obviously, like I said, the book just came out. Everybody go get it right now. It's if It doesn't matter if you have been debt free your entire life. Or if you are just kind of beginning this journey of working towards being debt free, I really do feel like this is the kind of book that is applicable to everyone because it it touches on so many different points that um, that that other financial books just don't because it's getting again to that psychology behind finances. So, what is sort of on the horizon for you now that this book is out into the world? Oh, it's a great question. Oh my goodness, <laughs> uh, I know it's such just just a crazy time we're living in. Yeah. I mean, I'll be continuing, obviously, my my podcast and my show and probably just enjoying some of this new content that's out because yeah. it's so fun to be able to talk about. Yeah. And obviously, being a mom, I'm kind of embracing the mom season in life right now. And so I think I'm focusing on that more time-wise than I have in the past. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. Okay, Rachel, before we go, this is my favorite part of the show where I just get to ask some fun get-to-know-you questions. And so, Rachel, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Question number one. Now, I'm asking this specifically because you're somebody who I am guessing is pretty financially savvy. What is the one thing, though, that is your treat-yourself item? (laughs) Oh, gosh. I'm like, I'm I'm an experienced person. So I'm like, any... Any spa situation, I will spend too much money. I'm like, give me a massage. (laughs) Give me a pedicure all day, every day. I don't need a designer bag, but put me in the spa and I'm good. Yeah, I would definitely say treat yourself as a, it's a, it's a manicure, pedicure. It's some kind of pampering. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Okay. What song do you have to sing along with when it comes on the radio? Oh, man. Okay, you're absolutely going to crack up, but I played it like 80 times, like last week. I hate to say it. I don't mean this to go any other direction. It just is what it is. I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> I I can't, I, I mean, this, I mean, the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee. How can you not that just sing it? Is sing amazing. it out loud. I love it. That's that, amazing. That, that, that means, don't, don't go beyond any other thoughts of just no. that. Like literally just that singular 
That song. is that is amazing. Nothing else that's attached to it. Just that song. I love. <laughs> My husband uh, went to a conference uh, a few years ago. It was a financial advisor conference. It was in Washington D.C. The guest speaker that year was George W. Bush. Oh but wow! Bef- I know, right? But before they invited George W. Bush, came out. Lee Greenwood came out and yes. sang, "I'm proud to be an American." And John was like, he texted me. He was like, how much did they pay Lee Greenwood to come out and sing one song? And then leave? But it's just it was hilarious to me. I'm like, I would have been on the front row. So random. Right so random. I know. Um, I know. That's probably a better one. That one was just top of mind. No, hey, but... I like it. I like it. OK, if you had to eat the same meal for dinner. Every night, rest of your life, what would it be other than rice peanut and beans? Butter, or peanut, pepper, peanut butter, pepperoni and banana pepper pizza. Pepperoni and banana pepper pizza. You are All my time. people. All I time. have so many banana peppers right now from my garden. I don't even know what to do. Yeah, oh, I love I have so many, so many. Okay, this is my last question. This is the question I ask all my guests. And that is, Rachel, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Uh, Running a business with purpose is is helping encourage and equip other people to do what they love. I think when it becomes about other people, not just what's inside your walls, the purpose just explodes. So I think it's all all about people that are outside your walls. I love that. Rachel, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you so much for putting um, this work into the world and for all that you're doing to help people just be set free financially and and so much more. You are amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Molly, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Friend, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or if there was something that you learned. Let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business With Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag, Business With Purpose Podcast. Another thank you to our partners of the show, Simple Switch, The Lemonade Boutique, Amazuma, and GoX Apparel. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible people who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for tuning in week in and week out, and thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Stitcher, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe button. Clicking that button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.